Hello, I'm Sean McGahey, host of the Catholic New Media Roundup at CatholicRoundup.com. You're listening to the Catholic foodie, Jeff Young, at CatholicFoodie.com. This is Jeff Young, the Catholic foodie, and welcome to Episode 3. Today we will continue our discussion of the Heavenly Banquet... We will look at some of my favorite kitchen tools, and I will share with you a recipe. I also have an announcement, a big announcement. This is the first contest of the Catholic Foodie. There's plenty more on the menu here at the Catholic Foodie, and I'm so happy you're here. And let's go ahead and get started. Those, uh, goodies in there. Granny, Granny Puckett, the goody lady? My goodness, she makes some good goodies. She's got a thing. It's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, cookies, shortbread chocolate icing between very... It's good. Uh, it's very good. This segment is entitled... Food for the Soul, and we're going to talk about faith and scripture. In episode two, we looked at the wedding feast of Cana as a sign of God's love for us, and we concluded that when it comes to demonstrating his love for us, God is over the top. He does things in the extreme. Today, we're going to look at another passage in scripture. This is from Luke uh, chapter 15, I believe. It's the story of the prodigal son. The story is called The Parable of the Prodigal Son, and uh, some actually argue that the, uh, the title is a misnomer. It should be called The Prodigal Father. Prodigal, it, it's, uh, it comes from prodigious, and it means, according to Brother Webster, let's see, Brother Webster, Miriam Webster says, I'm pulling it up right now, uh, extraordinary in bulk, quantity, or degree. So in this parable, we can see that the father is the one who is extreme or extraordinary in quantity and degree. If you remember the story, which I'm sure you do, uh, the father is uh, approached, or uh, the son approaches the father, rather, and asks for his inheritance in advance. That is a wild, wild uh, request. And uh, the father gives it to him. Uh, and he gives all of it to him. He doesn't just do it halfway. He doesn't uh, give him just a little portion. He gave all of the inheritance uh, to that youngest son. And he did so probably, it's my supposition, he did so knowing that the son would squander it. Uh, So he gives it all. And what's more, beyond all hope or expectation, When the son came to his senses and returned home, the father received him back with great joy. That's the amazing part of this story. So much joy, in fact, that he killed the fatted calf and threw a huge party for him. A party. I mean, that's that's just amazing. So here we have another image of heaven as a banquet. Jesus is telling this story, this parable, trying to uh, create an image uh, for his listeners of you know, what is heaven like? 
And it's like the father who welcomes back this son who has gone astray. And, and the father, the son only wanted to be treated as a, as a servant, right, as one of the slaves of, of, the, uh, of the father. But when the father saw him coming from afar, he ran out to him, embraced him, told the other servants, hey, put a ring on his finger, put a robe on him, put, put shoes on his feet, because this son of mine who is dead is alive. He was gone, but now he is, he's found, he's here. And what does he do? He doesn't stop there. He throws this party and, and you know, kills the fatted calf. And here we have again this image of food, this image of a banquet, this image of celebration, uh, which is just so, so powerful. So heaven is a banquet. It's a feast. Sinners are forgiven. They're welcomed back into the family of God, and they are invited to the family feast. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Uh, this is just yet another image of uh, the Father's love, of the great love that God has for us. And we're going to continue. Every uh, segment we'll have something, or every episode rather, we'll have something in there about this tremendous love of the Father and the images He gives us uh, in the Scriptures of heaven, the family of God, as being a, a celebration, a party, uh, a banquet in which we uh, participate in God's own love. And now, if you would, I'd like to invite you to step into my kitchen. Oh, you got to taste this! This is, oh, it's got this kind of mm, burning, melty, it's not really a smoky taste. It, it, it's a certain, oh, it, it's kind of like a, you know, it's got like this boom, zap kind of taste. Don't you think? What, what would you call that flavor? Lightning-y? It's lightning-y! Oh, we gotta do that again! Okay, when the next storm comes, we'll go up on the roof. I know what this needs! Saffron! A little saffron would make this! Saffron. Why do I get the feeling it's, it's in, in the, the kitchen. kitchen? Well, here we are in the kitchen. Uh, we're in my kitchen. And I would like to talk to you today about two different uh, tools that we have in the kitchen that we use uh, every day. Just about every day. Uh, you see, my family loves garlic. Uh, they call it the stinking rose, right? We, we love garlic. My, uh, my oldest daughter, as a matter of fact, if I'm in here making a salad dressing or I'm using garlic for anything, whether I'm making a, a marinara or a, um, you know, chopping garlic up for a gumbo, whatever it may be, uh, she'll come up and she'll say, hey, is that garlic? Can I have a bite? And I'll give her a piece of garlic. She eats it raw, just eats it just like that. Matter of fact, uh, <laughs> something that we do, and I know, a lot of you out there who uh, don't eat crawfish or don't even know about crawfish uh, may be kind of hard to, to picture this, but when we boil crawfish, we do you know, about 40, 45 to 50 pound sacks of crawfish uh, when we boil, and we will take a, uh, a bunch, like I don't, I don't even know, like 10, 12 maybe heads of garlic and just throw them into the pot so the garlic is boiling with the crawfish. Now, we don't just throw them in loosely. We put them in like a lingerie bag so that they all stay together. And once it's all done, we pull it out. We'll put them on the table in a, in a big tray. And what you have is this boiled garlic that is soft as butter, and it just comes straight out of the, uh, of the, of the peel, right? Just comes, just, it'll, it'll, you can squeeze it out into your mouth. It's so uh, soft like butter. And we eat that. I don't know how, but, you know, we'll eat a couple of heads of garlic, you know, just individually, each one of us. So it's, um, we love garlic. It's a wonderful thing. 
It's a great part of life. And uh, I have two things in my kitchen that I use to, uh, to handle garlic. And one of them is a mortar and pestle. And uh, I've actually got two mortar, mortars and pestles. Uh, one of them, unfortunately, is having some, some difficulty. Um, it's actually my favorite of the two. They're both wooden. And the, the first one, uh, it, it's starting to crack. It's cracking down on two, in two places. Down, uh, the, the mortar is cracking. And I, I didn't know why exactly. I thought maybe it was just age. It's just too old or something. But uh, I did a little research online and, and come to find out that no matter how big or how strong uh, your wooden mortar is, if you use liquid in the mortar, uh, like we used to use olive oil all the time, lemon juice for salad dressings, if you use liquid in the mortar at some point in time, it will start to crack. Um, I don't know all the ins and outs of why that is, but I think the wood will soak up the, uh, the, the, the moisture and that can affect uh, the stability, or not the stability, what do you call it, the integrity of the wood itself and eventually it'll start to crack. So our, my favorite, our uh, pestle has started to crack. And it's one of the reasons why it's my favorite, it's very lightweight, I mean if you pick it up it's very light, uh, but the bowl itself is, is deep. So you can beat the garlic, beat the garlic, you know, um, and it, none of it's going to fly out. It's going to stay right there in the bowl while you're beating it. Uh, now we do have a second mortar and pestle, and this one was given to us by my mother-in-law, and it's a heavier mortar and pestle. So I mean, it's in, a, in some respects I really like that. It is a little heavier, uh, more sturdy. The problem is, is that the bowl itself is just not not deep enough. This is a very nice mortar and pestle. It was handmade in Syria and it's got sort of a, a reddish tint almost to the to the wood. So it's very nice, very smooth. It feels very nice. My only real complaint about it is it's not deep enough. So when I'm beating garlic, oftentimes I'll have pieces of it flying out on the sides uh, because we just don't, it's just not deep enough. So in the old mortar and pestle, we used to make the salad dressing from start to finish. Uh, I'd beat the garlic, add a little salt in there, and, uh, and the olive oil. And then once we got that going, we would measure out what we, the way we normally do to make the salad dressing. And we'd add the, the, the olive oil and the, uh, the lemon juice and, and, and pepper and all that. And basically make the dressing in the, in the mortar and uh, serve it from the mortar. We would uh, pour it onto the salad in the, in the salad bowl right here from the mortar. With the new one, we really can't do that. So what we've come, uh, what we have started to do is I'll, I'll beat the garlic in the, in the mortar, beat the garlic, and, when that, and I'll add a little bit of um, salt to that. It, salt really helps it to, uh, helps you beat it. It, it really, it just helps. It, I guess it's a little resistance or something like that. It, it, uh, it really helps when beating the garlic. So add a little salt and once that's beaten, I'll take it and put it in a, uh, in a jar. And what we started doing is all these little um, uh, jelly or preserve jars um, we buy at the store. We save them. And the, let's see, this is a what, 10 ounce? It's a 10 ounce jar. And we, we save these now. So 10 ounce jar. I'll take the garlic and I'll transfer it into the jar. 
and then we'll, we'll mix the salad dressing right there in the jar. So you add your olive oil and your salt, pepper, lemon juice, whatever, and uh, put that top on there and you can just shake it right there in the jar. You shake it in the jar and now it's very easy to, uh, to dispense, to use when making the salad. So that's a, uh, a little hint, I guess, something that we have learned uh, since, since we can no longer make the salad dressing in the mortar itself. So, those are uh, it's one of my favorite tools. I use it every day. And also, there's another one that makes peeling garlic very, very simple. It's, uh, it's actually called uh, a crack and peel. And it looks like a mushroom. It looks like a stereotypical mushroom with a big mushroom head at the top. And it fits in the palm of your hand. The, the actual top of the mushroom fits in, the, in your palm. And uh, the base is what you would use to, uh, boom, crack. Crack, crack, to crack the uh, the garlic, and what happens? I'll, I'll I'll cut the tip end of the garlic off, that bottom end of the garlic off, and then just take the crack and peel, crack it, and it makes it very very easy to peel in that respect. I know if you are accustomed to peeling garlic and you don't use uh, a crack and peel or something like that, then what happens is you um, uh, the the skin of the garlic can 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 stick to your fingers, right? The the uh, the juice of the garlic can be very sticky and is, it can be difficult to peel. So crack and peel makes it very simple. The peelings of the skin come right off and then you can throw that garlic into your mortar and beat it for a salad dressing. So two tools that I have in my kitchen that I want to share with you uh, today. And, uh, and I think that's it. Let's move on to the next section. Something I neglected to mention in, uh, in that segment about the crack and peel. If you don't have a crack and peel, that's okay. If you have a, uh, a large knife that has a, a blade that's um, uh, wide, you can just use the side of the blade, kind of pop your hand down on top of that blade, and it'll, it'll break the garlic, and it becomes very easy to, uh, to peel. Uh, also, this was a, a, a quick tour into my kitchen. But uh, this bumper is supposed to lead us into the segment in the kitchen, and I would really love to hear what's going on in your kitchen. Uh, that's going to be part of this segment as well. Now, I did receive some feedback uh, this past week, and I'd like to share that with you right now. Uh, the first piece of feedback that I'd like to share with you is a, an email that I received from Pam uh, Hauk, Pam Hauk, and uh, this is what it says. It says, Hi, Jeff. Uh, just this morning, listened to the Catholic Foodie podcast, uh, and I want to say that I enjoyed all the episodes, and I think that you were doing a very good job at podcasting. I especially enjoyed hearing you talk about Frankie and Johnny's. I'm very familiar with that bar restaurant since I spent the first 20 years of my life around the corner from there on Annunciation Street. I couldn't begin to count how many pole boys I ate over the years from there. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, your description brought back many good memories. With your permission, I would like to promote your podcast at my home parish. 
I believe others would uh, others there would enjoy hearing from one of our locals. May God bless you and your family during this Advent season. Signed, Pam. Well, Pam, thank you so much. I did respond to you via email, but of course you have my permission to promote the Catholic Foodie at your parish, and I'm very honored that you would like to do so. Uh, so thank you so much for that feedback. I, I, I brought a smile to my face knowing that, um, well, that this podcast does uh, touch people, that um, it, it, people enjoy it and apparently get something out of it. So thank you once again. I also received some uh, voice feedback, and I'm very happy about that. This was the, uh, the first, um, first time I've ever received voice feedback for The Catholic Foodie, and I'd like to share that with you right now as well. Hi, Jeff. This is Mike from New Jersey. Uh, first of all, I wanted to thank you for your podcast. I really enjoyed the first two episodes, and I'm looking forward to some more. Today I wanted to share with you a beer that I recently found in my supermarket of all places. It's called Southern Tier Raspberry Porter. Porter, for listeners who might not be familiar with the beer style, is a very dark beer, but unlike, say, a Guinness or another stout, it's not heavy or thick. Uh, It's very drinkable, even if you don't really like dark beers per se. Southern Tier Raspberry Porter is brewed by the Southern Tier Brewing Company, which ironically is in northern New York State. I went to beeradvocate.com and looked up the beer on their site. Uh, They gave it a B- overall, which is a fairly good rating. I would tend to agree I found it a very enjoyable beer. The first thing you notice when you pop the cap is the aroma of raspberries. It doesn't smell artificial. It smells like real raspberries and of course porter. When you pour it into the glass, it's a dark color, slightly reddish. It has a light creamy head with fine bubbles, and it's a very smooth drinkable beer. It definitely tastes like raspberries, but you can also taste the chocolatey, smoky, malty flavors of the porter. I think it's pretty well balanced. It's not overpowering in either the raspberry or the malty taste and has a very nice, clean finish. I would recommend you get a bottle and give it a try. That's all for today. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Mike, for that. Uh, I was very impressed uh, with what you had to say. Matter of fact, there are two things I did after I heard that feedback. I, first of all, signed up for beeradvocate.com. I've got an account there now. I'm I've, I've uh, played around and searched for a few things on there already, and I've been very impressed. So thank you for that tip. And I did go out to my local grocery and try to find that label, uh, but they didn't have it. I was kind of bummed out about that. Um, but anyway, I'm going to keep my eyes open for it. And in the meantime, you've got me thinking about Porter. So I did pick up a couple of uh, bottles of uh, Porter, and I will be uh, talking more about that, sharing more about that later. It's so good to get that feedback. Um, it's always important, I think, to get feedback, especially podcasting. 
It's kind of a lonely endeavor. It's just me sitting here at my computer with a microphone and talking about things that I love, and it's, you know, that's not really very exciting. Uh, I mean, I guess it is. I do enjoy podcasting, but it is incomplete, I guess I should say. It only becomes complete when people listen to it and respond. It it creates sort of a, a dialogue, and it makes things very interesting and, and very fun. So uh, I love feedback. As a matter of fact, I love feedback so much I have come up with a contest, the first ever Catholic foodie contest. And I'd like to tell you about that right now. I have in my possession a uh, a mortar and pestle, and it's uh, basically the same kind that I talked about earlier, our, our newer one. It is uh, handmade, made in Syria, and unlike mine, remember I complained about mine a little bit because the bowl itself was too shallow, just wasn't deep enough. Well, this one is actually a little deeper, so you, if you win this um, uh, if you win this mortar, mortar and pestle, you should not have the problems that I'm having with mine. So that's, <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's a good thing, right? Um, anyway, it's not as red in color as mine is. I'm trying to reach it right now. Hold on one second. All right, I've got it right here. And it's the mortar and pestle along with a wooden spoon. And I don't know what kind of, uh, of wood it is. I'm Seeing how it's made in Syria, I'm tempted to say it's uh, cedar, but once again, I'm not an expert on that, and it doesn't say on the packaging. Uh, it just says that it's made in Syria and that it's imported. And it, it's a very nice bowl. It's wonderful, actually. And I, I'm excited to be able to offer this as a prize for the contest. And and so what's the contest? What is What do you have to do to win this? Well, uh, I want feedback. Feedback is what I would like, and what I'm going to do is... For every uh, piece of feedback you send me via email, I will put your name in a hat. And if you are able to send me voice feedback, and you can send that to me uh, if you have the capabilities on your computer to, um, to record an MP3 file or a WAV file or something like that, you can record it and send it to me via email at catholicfoodie.com. Uh, if you send voice feedback, I'm going to put your name in the hat twice. So email alone, a text feedback one time. And voice feedback, you get two times. I, I will put um, uh, your name in the hat twice. And let's see, what else? Oh, I, I've been playing around with Skype. I don't know a whole lot about Skype. I played around with it a little bit of t- uh, today. And some of you may know a whole lot more than I do. But on Skype, my username is Catholic Foodie, just one word, Catholic Foodie. And if you have the, uh, if you're on Skype and know how to use it, you can send me a voicemail via Skype at Catholic Foodie. I do have the capabilities of uh, receiving a voicemail over Skype, but I don't have a telephone number, an outside number, for you to call in order to, to leave the voicemail. I'm still trying to figure that part out. Uh, let's see, is there anything else? Oh, I was going to give you maybe like uh, maybe two weeks in order to do this, which will put us just after Christmas. And what could you send me as far as feedback goes? What, what would you like to say or what can you say? I would love to know what's going on in your kitchens. Uh, a spe- special thing that you're cooking, something that you just cooked, or like Mike did, if you have a favorite beer or wine or a special dish, something like that, I would love to hear about it. And um, I figured if I give you over two weeks, so about two weeks, it'll put us just after Christmas, which means that uh, with all the special cooking that goes on around Christmas time, you'd have plenty of things to talk about. So uh, let me know. Let me know what you're cooking. 
what's going on in your kitchens, and hopefully you will be able to win a uh, mortar and pestle handmade from Syria. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Well, hopefully this episode has been a fun V and not a humdrum V. Uh, I would love to hear more if you have any ideas or suggestions. In addition to the regular feedback, the feedback I'd ask for as far as you know what's going on in your kitchen, if you have any ideas for the show, any feed, uh, suggestions, please let me know. You can reach me at catholicfoodie at gmail.com, catholicfoodie at gmail.com. Also, check out the show notes. You can see the show notes at catholicfoodie.com. And remember that Catholic Foodie, or at the Catholic Foodie, uh, that's where food meets faith. And until next time, bon appetit.